0: But welcome to local church. We have been going through a series um, which is called Abide. And we've been looking at what it means to abide with Christ from the text around John 15. Where Jesus speaks about remaining in the vine and he will remain in us. That when we remain in him, he will remain in us and we will bear much fruit. And so we looked at what it means to abide... We looked at the fact that Jesus wants us to be with him and have a relationship with him, to have an ongoing communion with him. The last few weeks, we've been looking at what it means to be pruned in our life. And today, we're going to be launching sort of a 1.5 of our series, which is around the practices of Jesus and how we actually abide in Christ. And we do that by looking at the life of Christ— See what he did as a blueprint for how we can live and be closer to, to, to the Lord, to God, the Father. And so we're going to be taking the next few weeks and looking at things like prayer, Sabbath, community, which we're going to be looking at today, and a number of things that Jesus did that help us as followers of Jesus abide in him. So it's going to start to, to become practical. Are you ready? Are you well? Thank you, Sarah. Are you ready? Yes. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Tyler Abram-Fitch to kick us off this part of the series. Thanks for being here, everybody. We're so glad you're at church today. Like Caleb
1: said, my name is Tyler. and for the last four weeks, uh, four or five weeks or so, we've been in this series called Abide. Um, and it's this this picture um, that we get in the word that John uses in chapter 15. Vine, branches, us remaining in the Lord and him bringing about fruit in our lives. This word abide is actually the, the Greek word, when you go back and look at it, it's a Greek word mano. And it means not to depart. To continue to be present. To be held. Kept continually. Again, he uses this picture of, of a vine and branches. He's the vine, we're the branches. And the only way for us to have a flourishing life, a life that pleases him and produces fruit, is to mano in him and in his love. And like Caleb said, today we're pivoting in a new direction, kind of, not really. We're going to be looking at the practices of Jesus, the things that he did and instructed us to do that provide us with a structure For a fruitful life. So we have these practices of Jesus, like Caleb said, Sabbath, silence, solitude, Bible reading, community, which we're going to start with today. In reality, these practices of Jesus are really practices of abiding, practices that orient our lives around a relationship with Him, practices that help us to menow in Him, to remain, to continue to be present, to not depart, to be held, kept continually these practices are things that we can do as branches to keep ourselves closely connected to the vine imagine a vineyard back in the summertime we were uh we were in niagara for a couple couple days and there's so many vineyards down there they grow on trees <laughs> you see what i did this is a vineyard and there's trees there's lots of them thanks i heard a, it's funny it was so condescending i'm gonna move past it it's totally okay Full pandering, but I'm going to take it. It's all good. These vineyards uh, that you see everywhere, they have these, uh, these things called trellises, these stakes, posts, and wires and structures that the grapevine is attached to in order to provide and maintain optimal growth. That's what the practices of Jesus are. The practices of Jesus are a structure To provide optimal abiding and therefore optimal flourishing. Now to be abundantly clear, these practices that we're going to talk about, these practices aren't the point. Abiding is the point. Being with him is the point. We're not going to do this series. We're not going to work through all of these things so that we can be a church that just does a bunch of religious activities. I don't want to go to that church. I don't think you want to go to that church. We're doing this to be a healthy church, full of healthy, fruitful disciples that remain close to the Lord. And like I said, today we're going to start with the practice of community. I'm really excited about it. A few verses that I just want to read just to kind of uh, get the ball rolling, just to to point us in the right direction as we we get into into it today. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love And to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 27. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. Let's start with prayer. Lord, we thank you for the gift of community. We thank you for the the gift that it is for us. We thank you for for the plan that you have for a a community, our our community, local church, to to flourish and grow and be fruitful. God, I I pray today for all of us that our our vision would be expanded. God, our vision of community would, would grow, it would become deeper. And I just pray for anybody here. Um, specifically, I felt during worship. I just pray for anybody here that you hear the word community, and and um, maybe there's there's just bad memories associated with it. You thought you were part of a, a healthy, safe space. You thought you had a, a tight knit group of friends. Um, the Lord, the Lord sees you. Um, and even like Christine saying, that, uh, that he, can, he can turn things around. He can take what the enemy intended for evil, and he can turn it around for good. Um, so, Lord, we trust you. We want to learn what you have to say about community, so we lean in today. In Jesus' name, amen. Community is a, is a really great place for us to start when we begin to look at the practices of Jesus. Why? Because it's so much easier to live an abiding life when it's done alongside other people. It's how it's meant to be done. Again, imagine grapevines woven together as they grow and mature and ripen and do what they're meant to do. As we go through the practices that keep us connected and present with him, reading the Bible, prayer, silence, solitude, Sabbath, community, these things flourish when they're rooted in community. When we have people to embark on the journey with people that can encourage us, correct us And pick us up when we fall. The everyday stuff that you do one-on-one with Jesus, it matters, 100%. I'm not here to say that it doesn't. But community will only complement those things. They will only deepen those things. We have to recognize that the kind of life that God has in mind for us is meant to take place in the context of community. When life gets busy or hard, we sometimes buy into the lie that we're better off on our own, that if we just hunker down and silo off, that it'll be better. This could not be further from the truth. We all need people in our life that we can be our best and worst with, people that we can laugh and cry with, rise and fall with, that we can become more like Jesus with day after day, a community that is wholeheartedly raw and unfiltered in their pursuit of him. The enemy's plan is to divide and conquer. The Lord's plan is to unite and flourish. You were created, I was created. we were created to live life in community with other people. I believe that God's heart is that we become an abiding community. What does that mean? What is an abiding community and what's the goal? An abiding community is a group of people who collectively prioritize their discipleship to Jesus and allow that discipleship to shape their relationships with one another. The goal of an abiding community is to be formed more and more into a disciple of Jesus as we walk through life together. God's heart is that we become an abiding community. But this only works when we do it God's way. We have to. We have to push back against the world's vision of community, against the world's vision of relationships and friendships, of a community that is self-serving, shallow, and unforgiving and without purpose. We have to lean in to the Lord's way. Before we talk about how we can become a community like this, how we can become an abiding community, I wanted to start with a quick overview of why the Bible, of what the Bible has to say about why community, why a community like this is important. I want to propose why I think that community should be at the top of your priority and prayer list. And I have 11 points the older I get, the more points I have. But they're, they're short, like mini points. Or like, you know what I mean? They're like sub points. But just bear with me. I'll work through them quick. Why should we desire community? Number one, Jesus himself is an eternal community with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself exists in a community with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He is a community himself. His very nature is a community, three in one. Now, that's a sermon for another day. But that's what the Bible says. Look what it says in these three verses. Genesis, in John, and in 2 Corinthians. Then God says right at the beginning, we see him just existing. It says that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Before time began, before anything was formed, God said, let us. He was existing in a community. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The very nature of the Trinity, of the Godhead, points us to the truth that two, or in this case three, are better than one. They are the ultimate picture of the threefold cord that is not easily broken. If the Trinity itself exists in a community and the goal of being a disciple is to look like Jesus, plain and simply, we should desire community for ourselves as well. Number two, when Jesus was on earth, he lived in community. Throughout his entire ministry, he's surrounded by people immersed in community. He's with his best friends, John, Peter, and James, the other nine disciples, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, crowds, sinners, tax collectors, Pharisees, the list goes on. Jesus walked through life with people, alongside people. And if Jesus himself thought it was beneficial to live life in a community, how much more essential is it for us? If the creator thought, I need some people on my right and left, we too should desire that for our own lives. Number three, community sharpens us. We, we read this earlier, Proverbs 27, iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. You know, you might have heard this verse if you've been around church for a while. But for as often as we quote it, I don't think that we consider what it really means to be sharpened by one another. Because this is actually a picture of friction. We're we're stoked on the idea of being more effective and more well-rounded. But we're not so excited about having to deal with clanging up against one another. And our difference in personality and opinion. Rather than lean into those differences and in some cases lean into the conflict that those differences bring out, we back off thinking that it's better for us. This is not true. Community sharpens us. In short, we want the fruit but not the friction. Community sharpens us and helps us be formed into the people that Jesus wants us to be. Number four, community helps heal our sin through powerful prayer. I love this thought. James chapter 5, therefore, this is so countercultural, this is so like not what our, what we think we should do. James chapter 5, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What I love about community, why you should desire it, see you don't have to keep your sins hidden in the dark. You don't have to deal with them on your own and figure it all out by yourself. When you're rooted in community, you have a safe place to as the the Bible says, a safe place to work out your salvation, to figure it out day after day. James is telling us in this verse that when we confess this is this is so cool, that when we confess our sins to one another and that when we pray for each other in relationship to those sins, that the prayer that we pray is powerful and effective, that we can find healing from the brokenness of sin. A community is a safe place where none of us have to pretend to be perfect, where we can with uh, trusted and safe friends air out our dirty laundry and pray powerfully and effectively that God would heal us. Man, I want that for my life. I'm so glad I can I can go, I'm so glad I can go to a kale and be like kale. This is what I'm dealing with, and I can trust that the Word says that His prayer is powerful and effective. What if that's the thing standing in the way of what you're trying to overcome? I'm not saying you should tell everybody all your stuff. Don't do that. But find somebody safe. Find somebody trusted. Confess, confess your sins to one another, and in so doing, be healed. Number five, community encourages us. Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Don't you love those people who just encourage you by their faith when you spend time with them? The Darren's, the Courtney's, the Sanyus those people that you just, you spend time with and you can't help but feel your faith rise. You know, just this week, um, it's kind of, it it does show this point, but it's even, it's kind of cool how it does it. Just this week I was on a phone call with somebody actually struggling with something. A a friend of mine that's actually walking through a really, really dark um, season, but, but he shared this story of God radically encountering him. Just driving in his car and the Lord just touched him and like and I've known this guy for years and all like his voice was different like I could tell through the phone like the way that he talked was different to me and man it built my faith up I was encouraged like his faith just rose up and I was like oh my faith is rising up and it's this beautiful thing that happens when we dwell in community community encourages us this moment reminded me that he's still working That if he's still looking out for my friend, that he's looking out for me. Community encourages us when we need it most. Number six, community stirs us up to love and good works. Again, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. When we engage in community, when we meet together, when we don't neglect meeting together we are sharpened, as we're sharpened and encouraged by one another, it stirs us up to become people of love. It it stirs us up to become people that do good works. To have a love that honors God and blesses others. Good works that honor God and bless others. This is something that we should earnestly desire. Number seven, community invites God's growth. Acts chapter two. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What if one of our greatest tools of evangelism is becoming more and more of a biblical community? What if we just didn't overthink it? I'm all for strategies. I'm all for events. I'm all for those things. But what if we just became people of love who did good works, who are mutually encouraged? I think that that's attractive to people. I think that that draws people in. As we meet, eat, pray, serve, and live with one another, as he instructs us to do, we can trust that as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, that God will bring the growth in his timing and in his way. Number eight, community invites God's presence in a unique way. Matthew chapter 18, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, we know that, that Jesus is, is omniscient. He's every, you know everything, everywhere, all at once. He's, he's there all the time, but he makes a point here. He makes a point here to say that there's something significant when two or three gather in my name. That there's, like, I'm there all the time, but man, when people, like, are there in my name, I'm, I'm paying special attention to that. The good news, and we'll dig into this in a little bit, is that this is not limited to Sundays. This is not limited to things that are scheduled on our website. Number nine, community helps us bear life's burdens. Galatians chapter 6, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Life will get hard. The Raptors aren't going to win a championship for a long time. The canal won't open because Taylor Swift wants to fly her jet (laughs) everywhere. It's her fault. I just, I know it. Community helps us to bear life's burdens when they become too heavy for us to carry ourselves. Number 10, I love this one. Community reminds us of our place in God's body. Are we feeling good? Moving quickly, everybody's good? Community reminds us of our place in God's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a couple verses here. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Being a part of a community helps us recognize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And it shows us how we fit into God's ultimate plan. It reminds us, it encourages us daily that we have a special role to play. You have a special role to play in God's plan. You have something to bring to the table, and others do too. We're reminded when we, when we have a community that, that being a part of a body means that it's a good thing that we have members of the body who are different from us. We don't have to compare and compete. Instead, we can complement one another. By each operating in our unique role, in our unique gift that God has given us. number 11, we made it. Community creates opportunities to serve others and be served by others. 1 Peter chapter 4, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's buried grace. We all have gifts. Again, we all have a unique role. And we all have different ways that we can bless and serve one another. When you live in community with others, you discover a place to use those gifts in a way that blesses other people, that serves other people. And as a bonus, if you're not convinced, you get to be blessed by the gift of others. You get to be blessed by their body operating, doing their thing, each operating in their unique and special way. All right, boom. Those are the whys. We feeling good? Yeah. So that's why we should desire a community. How do we become an abiding community? How can we all work together to foster an abiding community? Number one, I've only got three points for this one, okay? So technically 14 points, but like three real points, so I think I'm okay. Number one, look to the word, not to the world. We will never become an abiding community, let alone a healthy one, if the template that we use comes from the world. Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Just a few verses later, Paul echoes what, we, what was written in 1 Corinthians 12 that we just read a second ago. Verses 4 and 5, again, just, he skips, just skip one verse and then this is what you have. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I think what Paul might be communicating is that when our minds and our hearts are renewed, that it should affect the way that we think about relationships, the way that we think about community. That when a group of people who have had their minds transformed and renewed by the Lord, that they can unite together as a body in a special way. A body that doesn't allow the patterns of the world to determine how we act towards one another. Where emotions don't get the the first say and pride doesn't get to lead us and lead our hearts and lead our actions. If we allow our relationships to be formed by TikTok reels, swipeable infographics, self-help books, and podcasts, they will be formed in such a way that will not last. We need something deeper. We need something greater. Just because it says something online does not make it true. Compare it to the Word. Look to the Word. We need to do it. These things will not fulfill. These relationships that are formed that way will not fulfill us. They will not bring about the fruit that the Lord desires to grow in our lives. The scriptures must have the final say on how we build our community. We need the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts to what the word says and allow it to transform us and renew our minds. I have a little chart. Um, The world says cut them off. The word says forgive 70 times 7. That doesn't mean 490. Just, it's like a lot. Like, keep forgiving. World says, follow your emotions. Follow the scriptures. World, world says, you just need yourself. You're good on your own. Just grind. Do you. Don't worry about other people. Other people are affected. bleh, who cares? Word says, you need other people. The world, man, 2024, Canada has election next year. We need to watch this. Let your differences divide is what the world says. What does the word say? Be radically unified. Do not allow your differences of opinions in politics. Differences in things that do not ultimately matter. We will not, I'm just going to speak for us as a church. We cannot, we will not let that divide us. We will be a church that stands opposed to the world's vision uh, of people that are just at each other's throats. And we will be a church of love, of unity, of people who are gathered together from all different backgrounds and opinions and political views. We will be different. The world says hide your flaws. The word says confess your sins to one another and in so doing be healed. These are just some of the examples of relational practices that we find in our Bible. And if we follow them... Our hearts and our mind will be transformed by the Holy Spirit. This is essential if we're going to become in a community that abides in him. Number two, build bridges, not moats. When we look to Jesus, and when we look at his life, we see him constantly building relational bridges to the people around him. He passes through Samaria to meet the woman at the well. He invites Zacchaeus to come down from the tree and invites himself over for dinner. I love that. He went to the house of a ruler to heal his daughter. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and he ate with them. He went to Martha's house. He went to a Pharisee's house for dinner and welcomed the sinful woman. He said, let the little children come to me. He welcomed children, women, men, the sick, the overly religious, the outcasts, the oppressors, people of other races and backgrounds, the rich and the poor. As I said before, yes, he had his crew, he had his people, but he was always, always, always going out of his way to create avenues of relationship with other people, to go over to their houses, to invite them to follow him, to spend time with them. Jesus is showing us important, and I really want us to catch this. He's showing us that it's absolutely possible He's showing us that it is absolutely possible to maintain flourishing, deep, pre-existing relationships while at the same time intentionally looking outward and building new ones. I'm just going to read that again one more time. He's showing us that it is absolutely possible to maintain flourishing, deep, pre-existing relationships while at the same time intentionally looking outward and building new ones. I love our church so much. I've found a group of friends, a community that I've prayed for my whole life. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. But here's something that I'm, I'm personally challenged by. And I think that we as a group really need to be wary of. We need to be so careful that we don't become so stoked on the community that we found that we try to protect it from changing and growing. I love our church, and I'm, it's like, I, you know that, that feeling, it's like, I don't, but I don't, I don't want it to change, I'm worried about it, I found my group of friends. We need to fight that feeling. We need to be like Jesus, intentionally looking outward at how we can bring people in. We can't build a moat around our church and say, I found my group, I found my community, I found my friends, and I'll leave it up to other people to build relationship with that couple that just walked in for the first time ah, the people team will take care of it oh the the board will take care of it oh somebody else they've got it i I know that none of us have the capacity to be best friends with every single person i'm not saying that it's impossible we just it's it's not possible and none of us should put that pressure on ourselves i get that but I never want to be the guy that who, who isn't willing to meet somebody new and see where God wants to take the relationship. You never know who's going to be the most important relationship after your marriage. <laughs> 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 but you never know. I didn't know 99% of you in this room less than three years ago. You never know you could be one relationship away from healing. You could be one relation, one friendship away, one coffee, one coffee hang, one beer. You could have, be one, one, you know, game night away from finding the people that, that God uses in a way that you could have never fathomed. Let's not build a moat around our community and build a moat around our church. Let's look outward always looking, how can I bring more people in? Okay, somebody, how can I invite? Okay, hey, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? What are you up to? Hey, can you, hey, come over to my house for dinner? I don't have a lot of food. We might have to like buy rotisserie chicken and that's all we're gonna eat. That's fine. You don't need to be rich. You don't need to have a great place, but let's be looking outward. Let's build relationships with other people because do you know what helps us to be an abiding community, a community that desires to be present with him? More people falling in love with Jesus. More people learning what it means to look like, to be like, to look like Him and to follow Him. More people discovering their place in the body of Christ. We need to build bridges, not moats. And as a side note, um, this is for people who you're looking for community as well. Um, build bridges. Don't. We work really hard to make sure that this doesn't happen. But if I could just encourage you, don't, don't wait for somebody to come say hi. If it's been, like, a week and you just, oh, nobody came up to me, like, that just happens. Sometimes we're really sorry. We, we hate that that's happened. But if I can encourage you, be bold. You know what Jesus did? He invited himself over to places. <laughs> he would not, like, invite yourself over to a Super Bowl party. I'm not hosting one, so don't, like, I, don't, I mean, I can, I know I can point you in a couple directions, but... I would love to. You just—you'll be alone at my house. (laughs) So, go nuts. I don't know. Yeah, I have like a bag of Cheetos, and so enjoy. Um, But go out of your way, if I can encourage you, be bold. Um, Say hi. Invite invite other people out for food. Make the plans. Um, Let's be a church of bridge builders. Amen. Three, finally, immerse yourself in community. Immerse yourself in, in a community. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The, the the little header over this in my Bible says, the fellowship of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in, in their homes and ate together. And with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, I read this earlier, added to their number daily those were being, who were being saved. One of the very first pictures that we see of the New Testament church, the New Testament community of believers, is a picture of a group of people who are immersed in, as John Mark Comer calls it, a thick web of relationships. It's a group of people who are together all the time. Collectively devoting themselves to to the teaching of the scriptures. Spending time in each other's homes, praying together, breaking bread together, experiencing signs and wonders together, going to church together, praising God together. My prayer is that God would expand our vision of community from a Sunday afternoon experience once a week. That he would expand it from that plus a group. Both of which are awesome and they matter. But remember what it says in Matthew chapter 18. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Again, God, God, God shows up in a unique way when we gather in his name. You know that feeling when you, you probably had it today when you come to church and everybody's singing. And it's like you have that tangible sense that like the Lord, like surely the Lord is in this place. That is not limited Southminster Church. That can happen all the time. For an abiding community, everyday mundane things become opportunities to gather in his name and invite him to join us. For us to practice mannowing. I'm not just grabbing coffee with a friend. I'm not just going to group. I'm not just enjoying a meal, going away for the weekend, debating which movie should win the Oscar or going for a run along the canal. Every single time I'm with a member of my community is a chance for me to practice abiding. A chance for me to be more and more formed into a disciple of Jesus. To make it simple, as we make plans with one another... Let's make sure Jesus gets an invite. (laughs) You know what should be the least weird thing that we say to each other anytime we're hanging out? How's your walk with God going? How's abiding been going for you lately? Should be the least weird thing that we say. Absolutely. Should be more normal than talking about sports. It should be more normal than talking about politics. Talking about anything. It should be normal. What's he been speaking to you about lately? Is there anything that I can be praying for? Let's be a community that cares deeply about each other's abiding. That's invested in each other's discipleship. Quoting C.S. Lewis in a sermon is always a good idea. So he says this in The Four Loves. I have no duty to be anyone's friend. And no man in the world has a duty to be mine. No claims, no shadow of necessity. Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy or art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. Immersing ourselves in community, you see, it's not a duty, it isn't technically absolutely necessary. But I'll say this, it's not a have to, it's a get to. I get to be a part of the body at large, something bigger than myself. I get to discover authentic relationships that encourage and sharpen me as I, and help me bear life's burdens. I get to have people in my life that deeply care about my relationship with the Lord. This is the value of being part of an abiding community. As John finishes his analogy in John 15 of the vine and the branches, he he continues on and, and immediately afterwards he says this in verses 12, 13, and 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. These things I command so that you will love one another. You cannot separate an abiding life from your relationships. The two are interconnected. An abiding life leads to an abiding community. An abiding community leads to an abiding life. So that's why we should desire to be part of this abiding community. It's what it looks like, how we can do it. And and as we close today, if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes, maybe you haven't taken that first step um, maybe you haven't, uh, maybe you don't even have a relationship with the Lord. Or maybe you, you know, you did at some point and, and it feels like it's kind of gotten lost and weeded out. You know, it's kind of like the prodigal son. You've wandered, wandered off, but you found yourself back at the father's house. To start the relationship, to, to start this abiding relationship, the Bible says that you simply have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and you will be saved. So in a second, I'm going to pray. I'm going I'm to count to three. And on three, you can raise your hand if that's you. If you want to start and enter into a relationship with the Lord or if you want to jump back into a relationship with the Lord, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. Nobody else is going to be looking around. I'm just going to raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. We have... Um, just to select people, sorry, I should have said, we have just a a couple of select trusted people on our team that we'll be looking around who just want to, just to connect with you, just to to give you more information afterwards. But then we're all together going to say a prayer together. I'll say a line, you repeat after me. But if that's you and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you want to become a Christian, if you're interested in this abiding life, you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus... Oh, sorry, let's back up. If that's you, know this that Jesus, um, Jesus died for your sins, that he loves you, that he's got a plan for your life, and that you can, you can enter into this beautiful, abiding relationship um, today. So if that's you, you can raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. You can raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. Just leave those hands up for a couple seconds, just so I know, just so I can keep seeing. Thank you, I see that third hand, thank you. Anybody else, just a couple seconds, that's amazing. Okay, you guys can slip your hands down. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for the love that you give. I've fallen short. And I ask that you pick me back up. I choose to follow you and honor you in all that I do. I confess that you are Lord. I say it out loud, and I believe it in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for those three people? Thank you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Would you guys stand up with me really quick as we get ready to close? First of all, as I said before, um, or for all of us, as I said before, my prayer is that God would expand and deepen our vision of community this afternoon. My prayer is that we would be bridge builders and immerse ourselves in relationship with one another. My prayer is that when we close the service in a minute, that you go and meet somebody new or make plans with the person you've been meeting to, And my prayer is that our calendars would be more full than ever before. And I apologize to the introverts. My prayer is that we become an abiding community that looks more and more like Jesus as we walk through life together. Amen.